0: The following message was recorded at Shades Valley Community Church in Homewood, Alabama. For more information and resources from Shades Valley, please visit us at ShadesValley.org. All right. Good morning, Shades. I'm going to read our scripture for today. It comes out of James chapter 1, one verses 2 through 4, if you would like to turn there. James chapter 1. Starting in verse 2, count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. This is the word of the Lord. All right, so we're in a new year. Uh, in January 2022. How's everybody feeling? How's everybody feeling about a new year? I think with the last few years, we might have some optimism going into a new year, right? Probably not. Probably not. I, I don't know uh, how you feel about New Year's resolutions. I don't know if you're a New Year's resolution kind of person. Uh, I don't know if you're someone who's pretty cynical about your ability to do anything past January. I don't know if that's where you land. I used to be pretty anti-New Year's resolution, kind of like we don't need New Year's resolutions, we need Jesus kind of person. That was seminary, Brad. I've calmed down a little bit. Now I think there's some benefit in looking at our habits and how our habits shape us and form us. And what new habits, maybe, that we want to embody as we begin a new year. But no matter where we are this morning, no matter how we feel about New Year's resolutions, I I get the sense that everyone, and I mean everyone, is exhausted and weary from dealing with all things COVID. COVID. Exhausted from dealing with all things COVID, with everything that comes from COVID. And as we start a new year, I think we're all looking for some relief. You see, even if the reasons that COVID is causing weariness is different, the weariness is still there for everyone. Even if the sorrow is for different reasons, the sorrow is still there. Even if the frustration and the anger is directed at different people or different policies or what have you, the frustration and the anger is still there. We're united in that. There's no doubt that COVID has touched and affected all of us differently, but I know that we're united in this, that we've been in an ongoing trial together since 2020. We have. At times, maybe we've felt it sting more than others, but today, it, it affects us it is, as we gather. I was talking to a college student last week that I met, and she said, Well, I first came to Shades when I was a freshman, but that's when COVID hit. Now I'm a junior. And just as she said that, I was like, Oh my gosh. She does not know a college experience apart from COVID. She doesn't know what college is without living in the midst of everything that's going on. We've been in the midst of a trial, and I just want to acknowledge that this morning. I want to name that. Because we've been in the midst of this ongoing and constant trial, right? But it hasn't been the only trial right? It's just been a trial that's kind of constantly been there in the background with every other trial that we're dealing with, with every other trial that comes from living in in a fallen world. And it's exhausting. It exerts its pressure on us whether we realize it or not. So, uh, with that in mind, Uh, I want us to spend some time in the book of James this morning with uh, a passage that I imagine is is very familiar to to, to most of us in here Uh, because this passage has a few things to say about trials. And we're in a trial. (laughs) Um, And so I want its vision of reality to reorient us this morning to the trials that we face. So I really just want us to, to wrestle deeply with one question this morning. One question. And we think we might know the answer from it right from the beginning, but I ask that maybe we would just withhold that for a second and we would enter into the text together. And that question is this. Uh, the question is, what does James mean... When he tells the church to respond to life's trials with joy. What does James mean when he tells the church to respond to life's trials with joy? Look at verse 2. It's clear. Many of us are familiar with it. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Count it all joy, my brothers when you meet trials of various kinds. Now, let's just state the obvious. Um, On a face value reading of this, uh, this sounds absolutely insane. Uh, This not only sounds absolutely insane, but it sounds insensitive to anyone that is experiencing real trials, uh, real grief, real sorrow, real, real pain, to, to look at them and to say, count it all joy, seems absolutely insane. And so I want us to think through a few things. I want to walk through a few points this morning as we think about this together. Okay? So the, the, the first point, if, if you're a note taker. And that is, um, it's easy to pass over, but from the beginning, James addresses the congregation as brothers. Or, James addresses the congregation as brothers and sisters. He's referring to the entire congregation. He's referring to the whole church. And he refers to the church as what? Family. Family is... Is siblings that he has great affection for great great love for in fact if you go through the book of James you'll see over and over again he addresses them 14 times so whether he's giving a word of rebuke whether he's giving a word of comfort he addresses them as as brothers or brothers and sisters or or he'll say my beloved brothers and sisters so so from the beginning This command for, or this exhortation for joy in the midst of trials, it's not some cold robotic command. You see? Um, This is a warm pastoral word to a church that is experiencing affliction and that James cares for greatly. So, here's the reality. In trials... You do not need a community of acquaintances that is polite and nice to one another. Uh, you can find that anywhere in the South. Just talk to a northerner, right? Everyone is so nice and polite out here. Yeah, we are. Um, we don't need a community that's, that's acquaintances, that's nice and kind to one another. In trials, we don't need a community that just gives religious platitudes, to one another. And in trials, we need family. We need family. And so my my prayer this morning and my prayer since 2020 for Shades is, Lord, would you make us into the family that we already are? Would you make us into the brothers and sisters that we already are? In this trial, would you make us into the family that can speak words of comfort to one another and can speak hard words to one another? Would you make us into a family that that can be there for one another, even when we disagree with one another, even when we're frustrated with one another? Because that's what we need. We need a family. We need a family. So I think that's important from the beginning to acknowledge. Uh, that These words from James, I don't know how they, they sound to you. I don't know how they, they hit you. But these words from James, they're not a weight um, that he's placing on Christians who are drowning. I don't know if you get that sense. Um, th- these words are meant to be a warm blanket. These words are meant to cover um, to cover Christians who are cold. These words are meant to be a lifeboat to Christians who are drowning. This is a lifeboat to people he loves. Okay, first point. Second point. I think it's very important to be clear about what he isn't saying. Because I, I have seen this verse be misused and, and tragically be misused um, towards and to those who are experiencing great suffering. And and when when they're twisted, uh, they are not a warm blanket. Uh, They're a weight. So I think it's important to talk about what James doesn't mean as he exhorts the community. First, to count it all joy, does not mean that we are supposed to have happy feelings when we encounter suffering. Uh, This response of this kind of glib happiness. Oh, uh, chronic illness? (laughs) That is so freaking awesome. Jesus is going to make me so mature through this. Right? Uh, That's not what James is, is exhorting. The church here. Uh, to count it all joy does not mean to, to shove down, to ignore, or, or to shame ourselves for feelings of sorrow, feelings of depression, feelings of anxiety, feelings of exhaustion. Trials bring grief. And you can't just flip a switch when it comes to your emotions. You can't just make a mental determination that you're not going to feel a certain way. Um, Married couples, when you're angry at one another and your spouse looks at you and says, you need to calm down. How does that make you feel? Right? It's not what this verse is calling us to do. This verse is not about stirring up some emotion in ourselves in the face of trials, and this verse is not about denying hard emotion that we have in the face of trials. Also, uh, this verse, uh, to count it all joy, does not mean that we need to go searching for suffering. It doesn't mean we need to go searching for trials. Now, as I say that, you might be thinking, duh. I know that. But as I reflected on that point more, I began to see how often I can turn to a performative righteousness. Um, How often I can have the urge or the inclination that I need to show Jesus how serious I am. I need to prove to Jesus how serious I am about discipleship by doing something really crazy. Uh, By doing something... A uh, Facebook post worthy, by doing something extreme. Right. Is that just me? Do you fall into that? That is a works-based relationship with Jesus. That is performative righteousness, earning your salvation, and I've got good news: your heavenly Father does not desire that this morning. Your heavenly Father does not ask of that lastly in regards to what this verse doesn't mean to count it all joy does not mean to deny that evil things have happened to us I think this is important it is not to deny the evil that has happened to us it is not to minimize the evil that has happened to us it's not to say that things that happened to us weren't bad weren't hard It's not to say that they they shouldn't bring us to a low place, that we should just be okay because we have Jesus, or that because we have Jesus, it's really not that bad. No. God's defeat over evil never causes us to minimize its effects upon us. Does that make sense? God's defeat over evil never causes us to minimize evil. The cross does the opposite. Shows the depths of evil and suffering in this world. Even in showing God's defeat over it, we don't need to minimize it. Mm. Okay, so we've explored a little bit about what this verse doesn't mean, uh, but what about the positive side, right? What What does this verse mean? What What is James saying if he isn't saying all of those things? Third point, what does it mean to consider trials a, a great joy or a, a full joy? And why should we consider trials with great joy when we face them? Okay, first of what? Um, this is a complicated question. And it's, it's daunting to, to even begin to answer it in a sermon. And so I want to acknowledge that I'm definitely not going to say everything that needs to be said here, but one commentator was particularly helpful for me on this. Um, they wrote this about joy. They said, the joy here speaks to a way of being rather than simply an emotional response. That's a little abstract. I like that. (laughs) Um, The joy here speaks to a way of being rather than simply emotional response, rather than an emotional response. James uh, speaks to this this settled contentment, this unnatural reaction of deep, uh, steady trust and hope in God. So it's this way of being, it's, it's, this, it's this settled contentment, and it's this trust that's happening in the midst of everything that we're feeling. In, in the midst of the low lows. Right. Uh, one pastor said something that was very helpful to me as I was thinking through this. He said... Trials don't destroy people, hopelessness does. Trials don't destroy people, hopelessness does. I've been thinking about that all week. Trials don't destroy people, hopelessness does. Think about what Paul tells the Ephesians. He says to the Gentiles that before Christ they were what? They were without hope, hopeless before Jesus. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 to the whole church, essentially that if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, if he died and it was not raised, then we are a people to be what? Pitied. Why? Because we'd be hopeless in life, We've given ourselves to Jesus in death. We've given ourselves to Jesus. If he was not raised from the dead, then we have no hope. And we are people to be pitied. So, do not pity the person who experiences great trials. Pity the one that does not have Jesus. Because it is not trials that destroy people. It's hopelessness. But church, we have hope. We have hope. Uh, As many of you know, in this room, in December, uh, my wife and I went through a trial together. In November and December, we did. In November, on the way to Thanksgiving, my wife told me that she was pregnant and we laughed uncontrollably in the car together. December comes, and we're weeping together because we're mourning the reality of a miscarriage. In December, as I sat in the seats, as we sat in the seats that you're sitting in now, and as we sang songs to the new Born king. I I felt nothing. I felt completely numb. There, there was no warmth in my heart. There was no affection for Jesus. I could I could barely even get the words out. But although I felt nothing in those moments, although my wife sat there weeping, I don't know what else to say, but we trusted in Jesus. We trusted in him. And there was a hope there. I don't know how else to describe it except a strange way of being in the midst of suffering. I don't know what else to describe it as than faith. I don't know what else to describe it as as other than hope. Um, Does anybody in this room know what I'm talking about this morning? Has anybody in this room felt the hope of Jesus Christ in the midst of grief where you can feel nothing? Nothing. Has anybody in this room trusted in Jesus when you feel no affection for him? Has anybody in this room experienced the joy of Jesus Christ? Because I can stand up here and I can preach all day, but you do not know these verses until you have lived through them. But if you have lived from them, then you know That it is not trials that destroy people. It is hopelessness. But boy, do we have hope in Jesus. Boy, do we have hope in Jesus. Um, I imagine that some of you in this room can describe this far more eloquently than I can. A reminder, during the back half of worship, this mic is open. If you have something to say about that, then come up and share it. Okay. Next verse. Verse 3. Next verse. And this gets at, not the what, but the why. For, verse 3, for, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Now, if you open up the scriptures and you read about trials, all the way through, you will see something. You will see that trials have an effect on faith. Uh, Trials do not leave faith untouched, right? Um, In James, if I'm understanding him correctly, uh, for James... Um, For a faith that is inauthentic, for a faith that's not real, for a faith that's not genuine, trials will reveal that faith. It will bring it to nothing like fire does to wood. For Christmas, I I got a solo stove. I don't know if any of you are familiar with this madness. Um, I haven't used it yet because I'm scared. I don't want to mess it up. Uh, But I've seen others... And it just burns the wood to nothing. That's what trials do to a faith that is not genuine, that's, that's not real. But trials do something else for those that are in Jesus Christ. For a faith that is real. For a faith that wants Jesus. For a faith that clings to him. Trials refine. Trials purify. So the image for us to think as we are going through trials is, is this, God the metal worker, um, God the metal worker, using pressure, using heat to make a metal more durable. You see, the metal worker does not use the pressure. He does not use the heat to destroy the metal. Why does he do it? He does it to strengthen it. He does it to make it stronger. He does it to make it pure. And this is what God does with trials. He takes our faith and he makes it stronger. Even when we can't see it, even when we can't feel it, even when we are grieving, by faith we say that God is working to strengthen us and to draw us closer to Jesus. Um, he does this to give us a faith that endures, a faith that lasts, a faith that, that stands the test of time. Okay. That's what he's doing. And that is why we can have hope. That's why we consider it joy. Okay, fourth and final point that I want us to consider together. And that is that God turns trials into testimonies. God turns trials into testimonies. Look at verse 4 with me. I do want us to think deeply. I know we're getting to the end here, but stay with me. Read this verse, verse 4, and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking... Nothing. Okay, what does this verse mean? What, is that, what does it mean to let steadfastness have its full effect? Or to let perseverance have its full effect? We don't talk that way. Hey, we, you need to let perseverance have its full effect. Right? So what's going on? What, what's James saying? Well, to put it simply, I think he's saying this. Don't walk away from Jesus because things suck. Don't walk away from Jesus. Don't don't leave him. Don't abandon him because things suck because it looks like he's not doing anything. Don't in the midst of any trial in your life or in the church or in the world walk away from Jesus. So the thought is this, and it's a beautiful one, because this is what God's doing in your life. Is whether you realize it or not, and that's the beauty of this, is that as you face trials, God is working to give you a stronger faith. As your faith strengthens through time, that will enable you to endure through no matter what you face. If we knew the things that we were going to face this year right now, it would absolutely crush us but we will not be crushed because God is working to strengthen our faith and to give us the means to be sustained through whatever we are facing and as we do that and as we uh, persevere guess what the result is a mature Christian that is what God is forming you into a mature Christian a whole Christian he is taking your trials and he is giving you a testimony. A testimony is my wife and I grieved the miscarriage. There were many people, whether it was outside of church or in this church, but many of you uh, that came to us and said, I- I'm so sorry, uh, we went through the same thing. We experienced the same thing. We know how it feels. We've been there. And not everybody said this, but um, you said it with your presence and you said it with your prayers that it's not hopeless. You said it with your presence and you said it with your prayers that Jesus is good and that he is still working and God used you and your testimony and your prayers to sustain us. Because that is what he does. So what is 2022 going to bring for Shades Valley? I have no idea. But as I look back upon the past years, I see a pandemic. I see sickness. I see death. I see conflict. I see division. I see weariness. I see conflict. But that's not all that I see. I have seen God work in each of your lives, strengthening your faith, drawing you closer to him. And not only that, but I have seen God do his purifying work in this congregation, removing the things that keep us from one another and keep us from him. So I don't know what trials you're going to face in this upcoming year, but I can promise you that in Christ you are going to have a stronger faith when you are through it, and in Christ you are going to have a testimony that God is going to use to further his purposes on this earth. So consider it pure joy, no matter what we face, because Jesus Christ is raised from the dead. Would you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, we need you. We need you and your truth to penetrate our lives so that we may be disciples that bear witness to the greatness of Jesus and the evil of this world. Would you do it for your glory and our good? Amen. Amen.